Look, I got a testimony. I got to tell him what God did. I'm calling God the homie. He took me out of the mosh pit. I will contest the phonies. Separate demons and God's kids. I got to spread his word, so I'm going to show you who the God is. The word is my weapon. I move like a general. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Walk With Me. This is your host, JJ. And I thank you for all the downloads that we've been getting and all the comments and the questions. Could be doing anything or listening to any other podcast, but you took a moment to listen to this podcast, and I really do appreciate it. I thank you again. It means a lot to me, and I love y'all. That's the reason why we're doing this podcast. It's really out of love. And if it helps one person, uh, it was all worth it. So, uh, just going to send a quick shout out to my sponsor, Squizzy Creations. Uh, if you, the tumblers that are being coming out of that, uh, coming out of her mind onto those tumblers are just amazing. I absolutely encourage you to look her up on TikTok. Uh, there's a website I know that's being created. I think they're still working on it, but you can still... Um, access it and see some of the work that she's put out. So exquisite without the E. So it's X Q U I Z I T dot com. Or it's great. Exquisite creations dot com. Sorry about that. Um, but go ahead and give it a look um, and tell her that JJ sent you. And it might be even, might even be a discount in there for you. So exquisite creations dot com. And Walk with me, because we're about to take another little journey. Now, if you've been following the podcast, we've been talking about the way the Bible has been it's set up and the way the relationship of man has been set up in, in the form of dispensations. We're going to put a pin in that for now. We're not going to drop the subject, uh, because it's going to come back up later. Uh, the, what we're going to talk about, though, we're going to put a pin, we're going to put a bookmark in it right now. I know we were on the second dispensation, the dispensation of consciousness. But we're going to come back to that. And the reason why we're going to kind of deviate from the course a little bit is because I've been getting a lot of questions. And the question that really bothers me the most, or the question that comes up to me the most, is, well, J.J., how, what is being saved? And I have never really liked that question because of the way it's formulated but I understand where it, what it really means. So I'll go ahead and translate that for you. But I had to have it translated to me. Well, that question really means is, how do I make it to heaven? I know, it sounds like it's the same question, but it's really not. And the reason why it's not the same question is because when you put it as, how do I get saved? It almost sounds like, a, a destination thing when it's not. It's a journey thing. And people don't really understand when I answer them and say, well, no one is saved until the gates click behind them. And, and that seems a little odd, especially with our modern-day theology and the way we, um, the way Christians, we Christians like to consider ourselves saved. Well, I don't, me personally, I don't say that I'm saved. I say I'm living for God because I've been born again. 
and I'm on my way to be saved. But there's no guarantees that I will be saved if I don't take my salvation seriously. If I don't take this journey of living for God seriously. If I stumble along the way and don't get back on the path that I need to be saved. Now, what what are you talking about, J.D.? The Bible says if you just call on the name of Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. If you believe in your heart that it, you'd be saved, and people throw Romans 10 and 9 at me. Well, this is where we go back to the same thing that we've been covering in every one of our episodes. Before you give me a scripture, or when I give you a scripture, when somebody else gives you a scripture, you read the entire chapter. Why am I saying this? It's not to necessarily burden you down with reading a book that you may not understand or doing extra reading of a Bible that may seem, what's the word, unnecessary for the subject. The reason why you read a few verses up, a few verses down, or better yet, the whole chapter, is because you have to know the context and where it was said. Because it means different things to depending on who you're talking to. Well, what do you mean, JJ? This is what I mean. If I say to you, um, hey, listen, we can't go that high. That phrase is going to mean different things to different people. If I if I'm talking to a pilot, that means we can't brush the edge of space. But if I'm talking to somebody who's acrophobic, that means we can't go more than three feet off the ground or whatever their threshold is. So the context of who I'm speaking to at that particular moment is very important. If I'm talking to a five-year-old kid, you can't go as high as the roof. That's very dangerous. I know firsthand because I fell off of one when I was about five. So you, you have to be very careful about who the, that particular scripture was written to, the context in which it was written, and why it was written. So when you use, or when people use Romans 10 and 9, understand that entire book was devoted to the church at Romans. It was not devoted, or was not written to people who were in the world who were not born again, who were not as of yet Christians. This was to people who had already gone through the plan of salvation, which we're going to talk about. So, all that to say is, J.J., what is the plan of salvation? How do I begin to live for God? What does that mean? Now, if you formulate the question this way, then it makes more sense. And it the answer becomes a little bit more detailed. Well, what does that mean? When Jesus was talking, and this is all during the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were day-to-day chronicles of what Jesus did and said, was detailed chronicles of his ministry and what he did and who he blessed and who he touched and and everything. And, And most importantly, How to avoid hell. Now, ask me the question again. 
how are we saved? If you're saying how to avoid hell, okay, that is the question that you want to ask. That is the correct question. And it's a question that a lot of people don't quite understand. I don't understand it. You don't understand it. But when that question was put to Jesus, he was very forceful on it. And this actually begins in John chapter 3. Now, keep in mind, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not chronological consecutively. They were chronological concurrently. In other words, these four writers were writing about the same thing at the exact same time. Okay? So, when Nicodemus went to Jesus, and you got to understand who Nicodemus was. Nicodemus, and now that we got to talk about that, I'm pretty sure we're not going to finish this in one episode. But just bear with me, folks. Nicodemus was a member of the Sanhedrin. Now, to keep it real simple and real down to the earth, the Sanhedrin was a member of the religious ruling class. Israel was a theocracy at that point, even though they were enslaved to Rome. Rome decided that it was to Rome's best interest to allow Israel to keep their theocracy in place. So what they did, and this was rather ingenious of Rome, to force Israel to pay tribute and allow their local rulers to be puppets of the Roman Empire to keep the Israel or the Israelites in check. So you had the Sanhedrin, which consisted of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And we can talk about them, the differences between the two, and we will at some other point. The point here is that Nicodemus was a religious ruler. Consider it, consider it like a governor. He was, he was about that level, okay? And also understand that at this time, Jesus was considered to be a, a rabble-rouser. He was considered to be a person who was causing trouble for the Sanhedrin government and then, by proxy, the Roman government because he was going around telling people that there was the king of the Jews was coming, he was the king of the Jews, and and, and so he was basically in that era produce, you know, preaching what we would consider today an insurgency. So, in, and I, I'm saying all this because you have to understand the mindset of why Nicodemus had this conversation with Jesus. Nicodemus, who was a ruler, John chapter 3, verse 3. So, Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles except you do, except God be with him. So Nicodemus came like a regular politician would. Oh man, you are a great person, and I see what you're doing in the city. And, you, and he buttered up Jesus really nice. Buttered him up. And and what was really perfect about Jesus is that he cut right to the chase. 
because he knew exactly what Nicodemus was wanting before Nicodemus could even utter the question. Jesus answered, and he cut right, he left all that rabbi stuff, he left all that teacher stuff, he, he just went right to the heart of the matter. And he said, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I'll read that again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. <clears throat> so, excuse me. So, Nicodemus said unto him, oh, well, well, how is that possible? A man can't be born when he gets to be old like me. He can't enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born. Now, a lot of people will say that Nicodemus was coming from a was from coming from a really curious position. Now, in the book of JJ, I'm going to say no. Nicodemus was trying to be a little sarcastic here because he knew that wasn't what Jesus was saying. But he wanted Jesus to explain it to him. He wanted Jesus to break it down for him to try to trip him up. That's out of the book of JJ. Can't prove that at all. But I do know that the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the Sadducees spent all their time trying to trip Jesus up. So, just context here. Was Nicodemus really trying to be saved, or was he trying to trip Jesus up? At this point, doesn't matter, because Jesus cut through that again and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, because that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. So don't marvel that I'm saying to you, you must be born again. So the thing is, the wonderful thing is, is that Nicodemus was then stunned. And he basically was taken aback by, by Jesus saying this to where Jesus really had to break it down. But he broke it down in such a way that Nicodemus had to follow him. And this is where somewhere in this explanation where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and why he's talking to Nicodemus about being born again, we get our first uh, general uh, salvation scripture. We get John 3.16. We're still in the book of John. Now we've gone from verse 5, which Jesus was talking about this whole time, to John 3.16. Now, given the context, that scripture should take on a whole new meaning from what we've been told. For God so loved the world that no one should, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, what does this mean by believing on him? By understanding that Except a man be born of the water and the spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So, understand that this is just one, one inroad into what being saved or living for God is all about. He was very careful. Jesus did not mince words. He didn't waste words. He, he didn't contradict himself. But, if we take a scripture out of context and build an entire theology around it, we have to then get rid of entire parts of the Bible that contradict us. 
And that is a very dangerous position to be in. It's very dangerous. So, even in verse 17, God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world. But through him, the world might be saved. Now, we're going to talk about that in a little bit more context because people will take that out of take that scripture out of context and build other doctrines uh, a trinitarian doctrine which i'm not going to go down that path right now because we have a limited time a limited amount of time with us so so we have john three and three john three and five except the man be born again he can't see the kingdom of god except the man be born of the water and of the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what does that mean? What does that mean? What does it mean to be born of the water and of the spirit? Well, we Jesus doesn't really explain it there. And the reason why he doesn't explain it there is because he has other plans. And because the time is not yet to reveal the full plan of salvation. And before Jesus could even do that, Peter actually helped him out. And when I say helped him out, uh, Peter actually got the revelation about exactly what being saved was about. And that comes in Matthew chapter 16. Now, Jesus, whenever Jesus was seeming like he was saying something random, he wasn't saying anything random. He was saying things for a point. So he, one day, um, Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi. This is Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Remember, always read the full chapter. If you can't, just read a few verses above and below. But we're going to go through some things. Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, remember we talked about I am that I am? Remember how I am met God? Go back now and read this verse again. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? I am. It's there. So now, then, of course, everybody tried to raise their hand to be the smart kid in the room and say, well, some say that you're John the Baptist, and some of you say you're Elijah, and, and some of you are like Jeremiah, and some of you are like the prophets. This is a perfect example of the blind men and the elephant that we talked about before. This elephant is like a rope. This elephant is like a snake. This elephant is like a wall. This elephant is like a tree trunk. Because these people who were, who were, who were commenting was only seeing a little bit of Jesus. Was only seeing a, a, a one aspect of Jesus. Was only seeing one quality of Jesus. So they were saying this is who Jesus is. But Jesus asked him again, he said, but who are you say that I am? And Simon Peter, and I love Peter. 
if there's anybody that was a lot like Peter, it would be me because Peter had a really bad past and Peter's tongue could get sharp when he wanted it to be. But Peter stood up and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Up now, up until that point, and it was a shock that Jesus reacted the way he did. Because all the way up through this time, you Christians today, we Christians today, would already have assumed it, they would have known this. But Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, because flesh and blood haven't revealed this to you, but only my Father. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why is this important? Because of verse 19. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound on heaven, and what shall you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, one thing about blessings, and this is exactly what this was. This was an oral blessing. This was a commandment. This was a prophecy that Peter was now in charge of whatever was about to happen. Peter had no idea who he, Peter thought. Peter thought he was, he was king at this point. And you could tell because when it came down to the nitty-gritty, Peter started cutting off people's ears. And then he stumbled and he fell. And he cursed and said, I don't know him. But deep in his heart, he knew he knew him. He knew he knew him. He knew who Jesus was. He just didn't want to die. So, and it was after... Jesus said that to Peter, that he began to tell them about how he's going to get crucified. So this is now towards the end of Jesus's ministry. Think about that for a second. All those disciples that was with Jesus all that time, all those crowds that followed Jesus up to that point, all the, the religious people and the Nicodemuses of the world and Matthew and Mark and all of none of them exactly knew who Jesus was. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Well now, Peter stood up and Peter had the revelation and had the boldness to say the revelation. And now immediately and just because Peter got full of himself. He started rebuking Jesus. What do you mean you're about to go get hung on the cross? Who are you talking to? What kind of nonsense is this? You, you God in the flesh. What are you talking about? How, how is that? Man, this is not going to happen to you. You're God. And here's what is really kind of mind-blowing. Because Peter then turned around and called him Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense to me. You severing the things that are not of God, but those that are of men. And then that had to put Peter in his place. Now, normally, I'm not going to, I, I am not going to act like I am tougher than Peter. But that would have sat me down and shut me up. Wait a minute. He just told me I was going to get the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And now I'm Satan. Because Peter's flesh started talking to him. 
well, I love Jesus. So there's no way he's going to get sacrificed. There's no way he's going to be hung on the cross for our sins. There's no way. He's God in the flesh. What is he talking about? So, there will we, this is where we're going to wrap it up today. But next time, we're going to talk about why Peter getting the keys to the kingdom of heaven has to do with your salvation and my salvation. Because that was the pivotal moment where Jesus gave Peter the keys. And before we even go in any further than that, Paul understood that too. And remember that when Paul was writing about it, he was writing to churches that had already been saved. So we're going to talk about that next time. We're going to talk about what Peter said. We're going to talk about the instructions that Jesus gave to Peter. And we're going to go into what it actually means to be actually living for God. Again, me personally, I don't use the term. I don't like using the term being saved. And we're going to get more into why that is on our next episode. I do thank you for listening. Uh, like it, share it, um, get other people about that other people know about it. But get everybody to come walk with me on this. And hopefully we'll cross that golden gate. All right? God bless you. Love you all. Take care. Be blessed. Yeah. True. Uh. See, I do it for Jesus. Jesus. Everything I've been doing, give me a reason. Give me a reason. I got this for the little words of a genius. Words of a genius. Everybody needs to know who the leader. Who the leader. See, I do it for Jesus. Jesus. Everything I've been doing, give me a reason. Give me a reason.